This is the politics of everything, and I'm your host, Amber Danes. Welcome to the podcast where we want to discuss the politics of everything from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment to equality, and much more. Our guests are experts in their field or topic of choice, even if you've not yet heard their name. This is a bipartisan podcast. So while we love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate, by no means is this a one-sided forum for any one political view. So please listen up and enjoy the politics of everything. If it wasn't for my guest today, Anthony Rigolosi, there may well be no podcast career for me. Anthony is otherwise known as Podcast Ninja, his company's name and his podcast name He's the man behind the production of my weekly podcast, The Politics of Everything. He edits the audio and does the technical support to ensure the program goes online every Wednesday without fail and has advised me of the basics when I was a newbie podcaster who literally knew nothing on the process. Anthony does podcast production, providing all-in-one podcasting solutions for podcasters, whether they be doctors, investors, entrepreneurs, or companies of all kinds. Before he started podcasting in 2016, he quit his retail job and travelled to multiple countries on his bicycle. Long story short, after spending all but $300 of his savings, he found a job as a podcasting intern in Chiang Mai in Thailand. Now based in New York, I found Anthony through a gig economy website back in April 2017, and the rest is podcast history. With so much behind-the-scenes work and his vast knowledge of the podcasting world, I thought it was high time to get him on my podcast. So welcome, Anthony, and you're here to discuss the politics of podcasting. Yes, Amber, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. This is this is quite funny, isn't it? Because I didn't have to give you any tech tips. We can just uh, get the conversation going, which is great. Yeah, let's do it. So growing up, how would you describe your childhood dreams? Did you want to be in show business or a famous sports star? Was there something else that you thought you might do when you grew up? You know, I wish I had like this really cool answer, but I was I was thinking about how when I was a kid, my mom told me, not even too recently, I, I, I kind of did a little bit of traveling and I, I went to visit my mom and she told me when I was young, I used to say I wanted to be a chameleon, which is like really weird. It's comedian, but I don't know why I thought that was so funny as a kid. <laughs> Apparently that was my go-to joke. It, it didn't work out, obviously. And then I'd say after that, I, I wanted to be a rapper, if that doesn't sound weird. And if you can do a little bit of Googling, you might be able to find something out there, but I won't tell you how to do it. Oh, I might add that to the show notes, Anthony. That's too tempting. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you get into podcasting? What's sort of the backstory to it? I've given a little intro to it, but there must be a little bit of uh, missing detail in that story I told. Yeah. So it was a couple of years ago. I used to, I used to be a Best Buy mobile manager and I did that for like eight, eight or so years. And I just didn't like my job anymore. So I, I basically quit and sold my car and I kind of packed everything down to one backpack and my bicycle and I did some cycling out in Southeast Asia. And then I kind of like spent all my money, all my savings and everything. And I was like up in Vietnam. I had like 300 bucks in my pocket. I didn't really know what to do. My friend messaged me. He said, someone's looking for an intern, which is a guy named Johnny, Johnny FD who had a podcast travel like a boss. And, uh, he told me to come for an interview tomorrow. And I didn't know if he told me 
if I told them I was in Vietnam, but I had to take a flight, which was almost the last of my 300 bucks. And I did this interview and I wound up interning and he kind of showed me all the basics of podcasting and stuff like that. And that's how I got into it. I worked with him for like six or eight months or something like that. And um, I kind of needed more money at that point, started traveling more. From there, I was on like Upwork, platforms like Upwork.com, Fiverr.com, and just like a lot of word of mouth. And that's sort of how sort of how I got into it. And then I eventually launched my own show last year and I, I interviewed a lot of people too. So kind of stumbled into it, but su- super glad I did. Yeah, it's the right time for sure. And it's become a very popular medium. And I think it's even more popular than say blogs were several years ago because people can listen to podcasts on the go. Mm-hmm. And I have read that one, not only podcasts easy and digestible, but we all love them because we can multitask. And that's what I love about it. I can be in the car driving the kids to soccer or, you know, whatever I'm doing, and I can actually be listening to something at the same time. I don't have to stop and watch something. So I know that a lot of people listen to them while driving, a lot of people while traveling, and apparently 40% while walking, running, or riding a bike. So that's relevant to you. What do you think is so great about podcasting and why has it become so popular? Well, first off, it's funny because I recently was just doing some driving with my family and I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. Once they passed out in the backseat of the car, I just played it. So from, from my life, it's just easier. It's just like, it's, it's a whole entire culture shift. It's not just me. It's anyone who has that fast paced lifestyle. You could listen on demand. It's like radio is kind of out and people want to listen to things and consume content when and where they want, wherever they want. And I think that even from, for people like me who never really read a book, like I don't, I never really like to read books. I got into audiobooks like years before podcasting. And then from there it was like YouTube, which is another thing. And, and, me, I don't know if anyone listening is not a reader, but I don't like reading articles and blogs and stuff like that. So I think if if you're not into reading and stuff like that, it's for that. I think that generation is really up and coming where people don't have time to read a whole blog. They just want to listen to it and get going and things like that. And I think also the the people that are also listening are are really enjoying the authenticity behind it because it allows people to really talk and you could truly listen like you're almost there. So if you're listening to your favorite artist or your favorite podcast, your favorite host, you're like, wow, I'm right there with them. So I think it's like that on-demand feel plus that authenticity combined that makes it so consumable. I must admit, I love the intimacy of it because like you say, it does feel like the the show or the host or whatever format it's in is talking to you. So there is a bit more personal perhaps than um, some other experiences with media. So how do you think podcasters can get that audience cut through and of course attract more subscribers organically? So I know you can pay for posts and things like that, but what, what do you think is the best tips to get that audience growth? Yeah, I, I think as far as, sure, you could pay. I think it's not long-term because people won't actually like it. They might just like click it and move on. Um, you want people people to actually click it and stay there. And it's tough because it's hard to get subscribers. It takes time. I remember I interviewed someone whose name was Drew, Drew Ackerman, and he does the Sleep With Me podcast. And it took him like seven years to truly build a following. And I remember asking him questions like, how much did you wow, pay for that's ads? a long time. <laughs> a long time. But it's like he's he didn't say he paid for anything. He just said he would talk to his family about it. He would talk to his friends. He would wear a t-shirt. He just, he just strived on word of mouth, which is like, wow, that's like he put all into it. And it's hard, right? Because like, and also a lot of people, all right, so, so let's say like you don't want to wait that long. You're like, Anthony, come on, that's crazy. I'd say... Leverage your current email list or your network that you have right now. A lot of the people that I've worked with have a pretty massive email list of like a thousand to let's just say a thousand to three thousand people. And 
that's that's a start. So if you don't, all right, you're like Anthony, what if I don't even have an email list? Um, I'd probably say maybe produce content more daily, like just keep pumping it out and maybe have higher profile guests, which can be hard, but some people that are just more difficult to reach. Uh, maybe even create some controversy content that is actually interesting. That that could be also a great way to kind of spark some more interest in, in or, you know, organically growing your show. It's interesting you say that, and you, obviously you know my audience numbers, but I I think the highest like downloaded show that I ever had was not a famous person on a topic that I didn't even think would be that interesting. And it was about peaceful digital parenting. It was one of my first shows over a year ago. And it's had probably twice the downloads of any high profile guest that I've had on the show. So sometimes I think you can do all that sort of analyzing and you never know what's going to stick. It just depends what the audience is wanting. And at the time, I think it's very serendipitous a little bit as Mm. much as it is the the analysis. So yeah, that's just my feedback because it's uh, it's always blown me away that this episode that's this woman no one knows on a topic which is a little bit left field has <laughs> had so many downloads. Okay, so there's been a rise in Australia and I know overseas too for shows like Serial, um, the podcast, and and I know that that program S Town that they did was something that blew everyone's mind who are into that kind of show where there's that kind of detailed story of intrigue and there's more characters and it's a true crime or one-person voice story which gets narrated. And I find this interesting because I'm such a news junkie. Like I would listen to all the sort of NPR and those sorts of shows before I'd listen to this, but it did suck me in and it makes me think that we're all sort of a little bit caught up in trends when it comes to podcast. Why do you think those sorts of programs have been so successful? And obviously the production of those is a lot more complicated. So what's the appeal in listening to sort of that true crime or real life story in a, in a series, if you like, where you are kind of hooked every week? Mm, I think that's, yeah, the funny thing is the, the S-Town show, I, I loved it. And that was the only podcast my wife has ever listened to. And we actually listened to it together, which is kind of weird. Like we shared it, like as if people binge watch on Netflix, we binge watch on S-Town over a couple of days. So I don't know. I think there's like from her perspective is she loves that like murder mystery there's something about it that people love, that story of murder mystery that you have to watch an episode after another episode after another episode to actually find out what happened. Because a lot of times when it's too long and you have to keep up every week, you're like, man, I can't listen to this every week for the next six years. I don't have time for that. So it's like that balance. And then then you also have like shows that are super successful, like history podcasts. I met this guy who loves like these history shows which are so boring and they're like three hours long of a guy just talking and <laughs> wow gosh he must be a retiree or something i just wouldn't have that capacity he travels a lot but it just sounds boring like you must okay. sleep to it all the time like I, I don't find that you know but it's harder to produce these type of shows so like they're like what you have to Absolutely. you have to only do seven episodes like s town and and you have to take a year off which is why people are starting to do seasons and i'm finding that i think seasons might be the new thing which is what i kind of do i kind of cut off my old season one of podcast ninja and i'm kind of rebooting it and i'm also changing everything like i'm going to start i'm going to do a live podcast soon which is i think interesting cuz i feed more off of the live show which i like as opposed to like staring at the screen right now i'm just like staring at a screen like looking at a, th- a thumbnail of you and it's like it's a little weird i guess but <laughs> i don't it's like you said before it depends i don't know what's going to trend not entirely sure it either has to be super good or it has to be some sort of like pop culture or some sort of trendy topic on the news or something like that right you don't really know 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's a series here which you wouldn't be familiar with, which was very big in Australia and it's called The Teacher's Pet and it was produced by a newspaper organisation. So they obviously have the budget. Mm. Um, the Australian newspaper produced it and I must admit I got really hooked and I'm not really into true crime. Like if I was going to go onto Netflix, for example, or, or you know, online to watch something, I, crime is probably the last thing I'd watch. That and medical dramas are two things I avoid. So I don't know why. It's just too gruesome and I think I'd just rather zone out to something. But um, I did listen to this series, but it was based on a true story with great investigative journalism and perhaps with, you know, the fall of newspapers, for example, these kinds of formats like podcasting might replace that because as a result of the podcast, the investigation, it's 30-year-old crime, has been reopened um, with the police here, which I think is fascinating, the actual impact of a podcast to do that. So do you think every podcast has a shelf life and how can podcasters keep the audience engaged once it's not a shiny new program? Some, yeah, some, some podcasts might have a shelf life. It depends. Like there's a show called Today in iOS, which is literally like an update on each up, like it sounds so boring, right? It's like an update on each iOS, Apple, like phone update. It sounds really boring. I can't even explain. It just sounds boring. It's like. I can't even imagine. I'd have to be some total geek to watch that. So I guess that's what's for. But like once that once that update comes out, like hey, here's iOS one point three point whatever or something, and then like that's it, right? Once you listen to it, you'll no one will ever listen to that thing again. Like so, that's it. But then you, <laughs> like it sounds so boring. I don't yeah. even know. I'm just bringing it up, but it's a good example, I guess. You've obviously listened to it, Anthony. I, which I don't know. Does that tell me something about you? That I, I have didn't to. Know? <laughs> I you know I'm interested in like shows that are successful and why they're successful. So like I've done yeah. plenty of binges of like what why do people like this, right? And then there's also a show like I brought up before the uh, Drew Anchorman, uh, Anchorman. So as he does the Sleep With Me podcast, which he helps people fall asleep. And I've listened to that when I was doing, I remember when I first started like the company, like I was like working super late and I couldn't get to sleep by the time I got home at night. But I listened to the show and I would fall asleep before the show is over and it's an hour show. And that'll never expire. You could go back to episode one and it'll take you years to complete. He has hundreds of shows. Wow. So like that is like evergreen content, you know? But I think... I don't know, to stay relevant, super interesting stories. Like he has really creative, original stories, like the true life stuff. That's super interesting. Like, why did that person kill that person? Is he really innocent? Or is like, or is that interesting interview? I don't know. Did he ask the same questions as the other person always asked? I also think at this point, it's like, I don't know, maybe current events come into play because it's hard when you have the same thing over and over again, people might get bored of the content. So when you throw a little controversy in there, like someone like Joe Rogan, who he has similar things, it's just comedy shows, or it's like backgrounds about similar people that are just doing different things. But there's a little bit of controversy in each show. And he'll talk about Trump or talk about like techie stuff or Bitcoin or like what drama is on the news. And then he'll sample that he'll sample that little bit of drama or a little bit of conflict and then he'll cut it and use that to share on social media to get people engaged in watching the show. So something like that is what I'm interested in. And I take that process. I'm like, oh, maybe that'll work. I think that's a good idea. Absolutely. So what are some of the common mistakes you do see with podcasting and how can we all avoid them? So first mistake is probably something I've done already. I've said like and um a few times, which I'm probably gonna have to edit some of that out. But uh, <laughs> so I had well, you get that you get the privilege of being able to do that. Most of my guests, I just got to live know. with it. And I wrote, I wrote it. On, you know what's funny? I wrote a th- uh, a post-it note of um and like on a piece of paper, but my daughter t- took it and I forgot it. And that's probably why, because I always put a post-it note up top on my laptop when I have interviews to help me try to reduce and say that less and less. So. 
that's an easy mistake, but like generally that takes practice, you know, so, and everyone still does it. Um, I'd probably say what's another common mistake is probably people launching their show. So if you're like, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I haven't launched my show yet, you know, just launch it. I've seen so many people just procrastinate and just push it back week after week after week. And then it goes six months and then it's done. So yeah. And no, and then people go. It's such a big thing. I don't. I, they want to get it all a hundred percent. And if you listen to some of my early shows, as you know, I didn't have it all sorted. I didn't have the tech mm-hmm. right. I didn't have the right microphone. But you know what? I launched. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say you could use that for everything, job, you right? Like. You could use that in every example in life, right? I'm sure you could relate, right? Totally. Like it's. I mean, every successful entrepreneur I've ever coached or worked with it's been like 80% and go. They believe in having an 80% there and then you just launch and then you work it out and refine as you go. Yeah. And I think honestly, the biggest reason, at least how I felt is maybe why people don't launch or why I'd say a big tip is because people are afraid to be themselves. It's hard to be you when you're recording it. So I don't know. I'd say it's like, it's weird because like people could really see that authentic side of you and it's hard to just not read off the screen or just be real. So that might come with practice. I don't have any tips for that, but I'd probably say like a tip is just try to be yourself is what I'm trying to say as real as possible to the authentic you, which sounds corny, but I think it's true. Absolutely. And that's what people come back for as well, to hear the conversation, not something that's overly scripted. That's what I found anyway. Mm. So do you think the all podcasters um, should be consistent or can you deviate from the format? For example, I think on one show I had two guests on there. Some people have co-hosts that they run the program with and I know that they've – I've got friends who've had podcasts, for example, and it's like suddenly the co-host, one of the co-hosts isn't interested anymore or has a new job and can't commit every week to a show so they just kind of kill the whole show. So do you think consistency is important or do you think audience is a little bit more fluid and accepting in the podcast format? So I think, so first on co-host, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous, like working with people in general. So I have like a hard time with the 50, 50 thing. Uh, you know, there's always going to be someone doing more work than the other person. I've seen that with people I partner with on shows that I produce. So I, I have the advice is, I don't know, maybe put something in writing. So it's very clear on who's doing what work. Uh, that way you could hold each other accountable to it. And if they're not holding up to it, you got to cut their ties. It's hard. It's hard to like drop it if you have to drop it, but uh, the consistency, I think it's important to stay consistent, but you could change your content. Like if you want to do two hosts one time, one host another time. I, I actually interviewed, uh, I'm sorry, I produced a show that someone had a previous guest be the new host and they interviewed someone else, which was like, is a really weird concept, but it was, it was cool. Everyone seemed to like it. So I think if you're not seeing any growth, maybe over a year or two years, change something. I mean, you don't have to quit, but definitely change something for sure. So respond to your audience, I guess, as well, and ask for feedback. And I think that's one thing in podcasting land, which is a bit lonely because you often don't get a lot of feedback. The one or two times I've had people actually take the time to email me and say, mm-hmm. I like this, but I'd love to see more of that. I've actually really appreciated it rather than just kind of producing all this content that you don't even know if people are liking, even mm-hmm. if they're downloading it. And I think that's the lonely bit of podcasting in a way. So who've been your biggest mentors in this business journey and what have they taught you about success and life? So I, as far as motivation, inspiration, I'd say first would be, I used to listen to a lot of, I, you know, I said, I, li- I did a lot of audio books. So I listened to a lot of Anthony Robbins, Awaken the Giant, or I think is the name of it, Awaken the Giant or uh, something like that. Yeah. Some of his older, older Gosh, stuff. That was written before you were born. I think Anthony, come on. <laughs> I remember that book 20, 30 years ago. And you know, it's funny. I've listened to all his newer stuff, but there's something about the older ones that seem like 
raw and real about him. He's younger. You can see he's much younger. He sounds like more like he's in that hustle mode. It's so different. So, and he um, only the ones that he recorded himself, right? So, like, yeah, I really like those specifically, the old ones. Yeah, 92, I think. <laughs> no, it's, I don't think it's that. Oh, is it older than 92? Maybe. Maybe. I'm thinking that. Yeah, I interviewed him in 97 and he was already really established. I was a journalist and he came to Sydney. It was such a big deal. Firewalking the whole thing. I was three years old, I think, at that point then. Oh, <laughs> so, my God. You're like, you're like a prodigy. Yeah. So <laughs> also um, another another – the old books. The old books do it for me. Um, Napoleon Hill. Have you ever heard of this one? They have Think and Grow Rich, but I would never liked that one. I liked Success Through a Positive Mental Attitude. That was like my go-to. Okay. And what have you got out of that? Like what's, what's been the thing for you? It's a little boring, but it's, um, it just like, it kind of puts in perspective that there's so many things in life. It sounds so corny, but it's just about positivity and just staying positive no matter what, like you get knocked down, be positive. You get knocked down, be positive. You get knocked down. And like, you just keep reciting that over and over again. You don't realize like how much you're actually capable of. You keep pushing yourself through some people say like, Anthony, you're doing really well with podcasting and stuff like that. And, you know, there's been so many ups and downs in my personal life and in my business life that just, I just, I mean, I love it so much. I got it tattooed on my arm. So like I have PMA on my hand, like I have to look at it like all the time. So. Oh my goodness. That, that's committed. <laughs> I have to, I know. Right? I, I don't, I don't do it because I don't think it's cool, but I just think it's like, I have to like remind myself because sometimes it's really hard to stay positive in like terrible situations. Yeah, of course. It's all, all a bit of a journey, isn't it? Which is a very, you know, millennial thing to say. And I'm not even millennial. So there you go. <laughs> I've used the word journey. My friend, my Gen X friend is going to kill me, but anyway. <laughs> Um, so to wrap up, what would be your top three short, sharp tips for anyone keen to win in the politics of podcasting? I'd say if you're new to podcasting, before you launch, do some research, take take a dip because a lot of people will launch a show that they like. Uh, they're like, oh, that sounds cool. I like that. But they don't put a different spin on what they like about it. So I think you have to strive to be unique. I don't know how to be unique, but definitely try to be unique. Um, another thing is I had someone reach out to me the other day and he was saying he wanted to launch a podcast and he was talking about sponsorship, sponsorship. And I was just so anti-sponsorship. And I think a lot of people want the goal to be sponsors, get sponsored, but I really don't think it's the goal. So I guess the tip is like, forget about sponsorship, forget about other people paying you to be a podcaster. I would say sell your own product, create your own courses, create your own like coaching. Don't do an advertisement for someone else who's paying you 20 bucks for the episode. Do your own advertisement in the beginning of the show and just say, hey, like Joe Rogan does it all the time. I keep bringing him because I think is a good example is he talks about his comedy shows. That's the first thing. Hey guys, welcome to the new episode. Here's my comedy dates. Check it out. Tickets are on sale. Cheap, this, that. He promotes himself first. So put yourself first as opposed to other people. And you think you can do that? Do you think people don't find that a bit icky? See, sorry, this is probably the the difference between the Australian lens and the US lens. We're really bad at self-promotion in this country. So I don't know. I have this cringe factor when I hear that. Yeah, I think if some people aren't comfortable with it, then don't do it. But I don't know. It depends. I mean, if so what are the other options? Either don't advertise anything and don't say anything or like you yeah, need to call to action, right? Like unless you do it at the end of the podcast at least. But you have to like ask for something. If you're given so much free content, I think people assume that it's just, yeah, free content. No, it's okay. You've given so much free value that it's okay to ask for something back. Even if it's just to get them into your email list somehow, I think you need to kind of kind of get that cycle going a little bit. It's not for everyone. So be all, you know, go back to the other tip, like be authentic to yourself. You know what I mean? Uh, so I don't know. I think the last one is, I don't want to say throw in the towel, but sometimes people come to me and they ask me, they're not, not doing as well on their show. And, um, 
I'd say try something different. Like, don't be afraid to try something different if it's not working. Maybe don't quit right away. But you kind of talked about it, how you said, like, ask for advice, show some humility, and just try to, anyone who listens to your podcast, get them to throw your, their two cents your way and just say, hey, man, just be brutally honest with me. Like, I don't care if you think it, it's terrible. Just please give me some some feedback on my show. I'm thinking about quitting. What do you think? And kind of go from there. Yeah, I think that's great. I think we need that feedback. And it's hard to hear sometimes if it's not glowing, but if you're not getting the success that you want, why not change something? I'm, I'm a big believer of that. I've really appreciated your time yeah. today, Anthony. And if you do want to contact Anthony, there will be some details on the show notes, which he will upload onto his own <laughs> podcast. And I might even include some YouTube clips in there. So you never know. You've been listening to the politics of everything. Until next time, keep well. Thanks for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, we thrive on feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network and your friends and family. I'm also always on the hunt for fabulous new guests. So if you've got a view to share and an idea how to get our listeners excited, please email me at amber at bespokecoms, that's B-E-S-P-O-K-E-C-O-M-M-S dot com dot A-U and we'll be sure to get back to you. Until next time.